Um, Ephesians chapter 4, we're working through this chapter this month, and so we're continuing this morning, uh, starting in verse 7 and going through verse 16. And so we're, again, just examining uh, the Apostle Paul's instructions to the church in Ephesus, and uh, the church there... um, uh, was going through the same kinds of things that every church goes through. And so he's given instructions to them through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so we get to benefit from that um, as God has protected his word and allowed it to come down to us so that we can uh, see his instructions for us. And so Ephesians chapter 4, follow along as I read verses 7 through 16. goes this way. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Let's pray. God, thanks so much for your word. Again, thank you for the way that you have um, ensured that we have access to the scriptures, that we have um, with the ability to connect with you through the inspired word. And so, Father, I pray you'd speak to us, that you would help us to grow as individuals, help us to grow as a church, um, to attain to uh, your desire for us. Um, the identity that you have for us to walk in. And Father, help us as we examine this passage today. Please speak to us um, and reveal to us what it is you want us to, to learn. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, again, as I said, this passage written to the church in Ephesus, a growing church, a young church, founded by the Apostle Paul, um, um, and, uh, and lo- looking to grow and develop, having uh, struggles as all people do when they come together. The interesting thing about the church in Ephesus, again, um, a Roman outpost inside of the, um, um, the Roman Empire, had uh, a lot of Gentiles, had folks that came from really a pagan background, no real religion or um, fear of God uh, other than paganism. And then you had uh, some Jewish folks that uh, were a part of the dispersion that lived in Ephesus as well. And so um, some of them came to see Jesus as Messiah. And so you have this mixture uh, of people. And so um, we just got done last week looking at the oneness of our faith. That, that um, aspect of that peace and component that brings us together, which is our faith in 
uh, in Jesus. And uh, Paul listed a number of things there uh, that we have, um, we have one faith, we have one baptism, we have one hope uh, of a glorious future, we have one spirit. And so all of that is what unites us. There is the same belief that we all hold in common. The same spirit lives within us, and that is what draws us together. But now he's going to tackle an interesting component of the church, a different aspect. And that is that the oneness of our faith is what draws us together, but it does not draw us to sameness. Okay, uh, the, the Spirit of God, though he draws us together, though our faith in Jesus and what he's done, our belief uh, in the work um, of Jesus on the cross, right? Our belief in the gospel, that Christ, uh, that, that Jesus came to earth, he took on human form, that Jesus lived among us, revealing to us who God is, performing miracles, speaking the truth to us, that in his person of Jesus, we got to see God in the flesh. And then uh, as Jesus interacted, we know ultimately he went to the cross. He was put on trial. He was, uh, he was taken uh, to Golgotha and nailed to a cross where his blood, uh, his blood shed and, and uh, um, was um, drained from his body. And in doing so, the scriptures tell us that Jesus atoned for the sins of the world. And so as we see in the Bible, that is by faith in that work of Jesus, by faith in him and him alone, that we can experience forgiveness. We can be restored in our relationship to God and no longer be seen and, and trapped in our sins, but be set free to live as God intended. And so it is that one faith that draws us together, but it isn't to sameness because God has created us uniquely. And so he honors the differences in us, even as he calls us to unity of purpose. So uh, the mystery is that we have uh, one faith, we're, we're drawn together and we're called together to be unified, even though we are a diverse group of people. And the early church was diverse and we are diverse. We have a vast array of individuals and we all are, are made with uniqueness. God doesn't make any two people the same, right? And so there's a uniqueness to who you are that is distinct and different, though there are similarities, some of us are similar in our personality traits. And so it's interesting uh, how God is created. But in this, in this uh, unity that he calls us to, unity of purpose, he also honors the diversity. See, the truth is that uh, in the church of Jesus Christ, unity is formed out of diversity. Unity is formed out of diversity. Ephesians chapter four, just these two verses again, verses seven and eight, we'll focus on here, says this, however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Uh, the picture here, as one person said this week, is kind of like Santa Claus at Christmas time, right? Um, you know, our... our, uh, our um, Fantastic, uh, fantastical uh, thing that we imagine. I'm trying to be careful here so I don't destroy anybody's ideas of Christmas. But we have this idea that Santa, right, he travels around the world and he doles out gifts, right? Okay, this is a beautiful picture for children. Uh, you know, as we're getting ready for Christmas morning, it's exciting. But here's the truth. Jesus really did come to earth, as I said. And when he went back and ascended back to heaven, he gives out gifts to all of his children. And so the truth is that you have been given at least one, perhaps more than one, gift by Jesus. The word here for gift, it's translated gift in the NLT, is really the word charis, which in Greek uh, is translated grace. And so he's given to each one of us a grace, 
a, a gift, something from his uh, personhood from, uh, that, that is connected spiritually, right, to a gifting that is going to be utilized and put to work inside of the church and inside of your efforts as you work at the work of God. And so this grace, this undeserved favor, this blessing, this, um, this thing that God has given you, an ability, right? And the Bible talks about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians and other places, lists of what the spiritual gifts are. We're not going to go over those this morning. But the truth is that each believer has been given a gift. This is a grace from Jesus, a generous thing that he's given. And it's diverse, Each gift, you will receive a spiritual gift. There is a list of them, so there's some commonality again. But the gift will match who you are. It will match the way that you've been designed and made. No one gets a gift that they can't utilize or wouldn't be able to use, wouldn't be able to live out. Um, Though sometimes you might think, uh, you might have some uncertainty as to whether the gift really was the right one for you. Um, I know when I was young and began to feel the call, uh, kind of the urgency to get up in front of people and teach and preach, um, it was with great deal of apprehension, great deal of fear and nervousness and adrenaline. And uh, most of the time when I got done in the early days, I had no idea if I said anything intelligent or helpful or beneficial. Um, there are times uh, that I get done, I still am not sure. I hope and pray that it's been helpful and beneficial and edifying. But the truth is that didn't match what I felt uh, in my personhood that I felt comfortable with. And yet uh, God continued to press me and push me, pull me, right, uh, through my apprehension and personal insecurities to live out um, what it was that he had gifted me to do and called me to do. And so uh, I just want to say that you may have a gift and you're you're uncertain and uncomfortable with, but the truth is it's going to match who you are, who you're called to be. And so we are in the process as individuals of discovering what our gift is. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6 says, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. And so you have been given, as I said, a spiritual gift. The church is not made up of sameness, uniformity. No, it's made of diversity. And it is in the diversity that God uses us and utilizes us. He calls us to a unity, a unity of purpose so that we can accomplish his mission. Now you can be united with others. You can be united with them and not be in unity, right? Um, An example of that would be uh, to take two cats, tie their tails together and throw them over a clothesline. And there you'll see united, they're they're in union together, okay? But they're not unified. Uh, They're going to be fighting as to what should happen in that situation and who's going to win, right? And so uh, sometimes we see that in our marriages, perhaps. There's times that uh, you are in a union together, but you're not in unity about what to do. Uh, At least that happens in my marriage at times. And then my wife has to come to realize that, of course, I see it the right way, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not really. I get just to say it because I'm up here. I can say that and pretend that that's the way it is. But the truth is that we have to figure out a way to get on the same page, and it can be hard. 
And so, uh, the tr- you know, in this, in this diversity of uh, identity, the diversity of personalities and strengths and, 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 and all of that, God says, listen, I, I have something, though, for you to do together that you need to work at together. And, uh, and yet we struggle with it. You know, I've heard throughout the years, uh, different folks say who are a lot of times young believers or trying to figure this whole thing out of Christian community. You know, here they are, they come to Jesus and they uh, are sort of uh, lumped into a church, right, with other people that they may not have ever gone and sought out relationship with. You know, that happens sometimes. I mean, you, you come to Christ and you find yourself in a church and it's like, boy, I don't know if any of these people, if we'd be friends outside of the fact that we're following Jesus together and we're part of the same church. And so, you know, I've heard things over the years like, you know, I love you, because I'm called to, right? I'm commanded by Jesus to love you, but I don't like you very much, right? Uh, I'll serve with you, okay? I'll serve with you, but I don't want to really have anything to do with you outside of that. So we'll come together and we'll do the mission of God together, but aside from that, we probably won't have much to do with each other. And so these kinds of things, to me, are just representative of the struggle that we have uh, to, to find a way to be connected, even though we are wildly diverse, and yet we're called to be a part of the same family, the same body, the same church, and to serve together. And really, the only way to do it is to find a way, to find um, uh, the path to unity is found through the kinds of things we looked at last week where um, uh, we're taught how to handle uh, relationships with each other. You know, those, uh, those things that we find that are differences that we can find a path through them to unity in spite of them, and really even an appreciation for each other, though it is difficult. Um, This issue, again, was uh, found in the New Testament, and it continues today. And so um, this diversity of individuals, the gifting that Jesus has given to each one, and, uh, and so God calls together a diverse group of people, and he provides an environment in which they can develop and grow. Uh, the work of the church is to accomplish a mission. Matthew 28, the Great Commission. We've been given a mission. We're called together to work together, but it's with a purpose. It isn't just to sing kumbaya and hold hands and, you know, uh, and have a great time together. There's a reason we're together. There's something we're supposed to accomplish. And so the truth is that Jesus gives leaders to provide training to his people. Uh, Ephesians 4, continuing in verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. And so here we see a group of leaders Leadership gifts that Jesus has given to the church. And their, their job is to build up and to train the body of Christ. And, and what are those leadership gifts? Well, first of all, he lists the apostles. Now, listen, I'll tell you that uh, there's a lot of different viewpoints on, these, uh, on this list of gifts. And, uh, and so I want to make some distinctions. The apostles were uh, certainly the first way we understand that is a group of individuals who were called to a specific purpose and role within the church. In, uh, in the beginning of the church, Jesus had 12 disciples. And those 12, aside from Judas, who betrayed Jesus and committed suicide— So he wasn't a part of the church ongoing after Jesus. But the other 11 became what we call apostles. They had a leadership role in the church. They had the ability to write scripture 
as they wrote, as God inspired them, as the Holy Spirit breathed through them, they were able to write what we uh, consider the words of God, the scriptures, the Holy Scriptures. No one since those 12 apostles has been able to write scripture, okay? And so, um, and so that's a distinction for those individuals. Paul came along, uh, who wrote, wrote the book of Ephesians here, and he said, I was uh, late to the party. I came along later because I was on the wrong team fighting against the movement of Jesus until on the road to Damascus, Jesus knocked me in the head and, uh, and revealed himself to me. And then I, I switched and got on his team and started pursuing uh, his work. And so Paul said, you know, I don't really deserve to be here. I'm the, I'm the least among the apostles, but yet he was called to also have that role and that authority. And so the distinction here I want to make is that the, the office of apostle, we do not believe, has continued. That those 12 individuals held that office and no one else. Now, the Catholic Church believes that that continued. And so the Pope today would continue in that line of, of apostolic authority, able to speak uh, the words of God, right? And, and that kind of thing. We don't believe that um, uh, in our, as evangelicals. And as Protestants, we believe that that work ended with those 12. However, this gift, which remember here in Ephesians, it's a spiritual gift of apostle. I do believe, and over the years I've sat under other leaders and teachers and pastors and, and, uh, and those uh, that have studied scriptures. And so uh, the belief that this spiritual gift still exists within the church, that, that Jesus continues to give individuals this gift to be leaders in the church. And what this looks like uh, um, is those that would break new ground, advance the movement of God, like uh, starting a new church or uh, going uh, as a missionary into a mission field and, and going into a new area where the gospel does not exist and it hasn't been embedded. And those individuals are able to go into that arena and have that spiritual authority and presence to establish a work there. And so I think we see that apostolic or that apostle spiritual gifting still at play in the church. The next one is prophets, and there are two types of prophecy that prophets um, in the scriptures we see in terms of a spiritual gifting. One is to foretell the future, and so uh, we see in the Old Testament, Isaiah, the other prophets, they foretold, for instance, the Messiah, right, and Jesus, and how he would come, very specific as to who uh, he would be, and, and so um, that's one um, uh, aspect of prophecy or way in which it is um, it is uh, enacted. The other is to foretell. So foretell is to tell the future. Forthtell is to proclaim the words of God. And I believe we still see uh, individuals with that prophetic gifting, okay, um, in the church. And what that looks like is individuals that have the ability uh, of a uh, strong sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and to his direction and his leading and the ability to speak to the church about what is God saying to us. Now, they're not revealing new scripture, all right? That's not what's happening. They're simply taking the word of God and, uh, and uh, through the power of the spirit, applying it to the church today. And so I think we still see individuals with that type of, that gifting, that leadership gifting in the church. Sometimes their message is a bit abrasive. It can be a little uh, challenging and difficult. And yet um, it is simply the application of God's truth to the church today. Then we have the, the gift, the leadership gift of evangelists. And evangelists are those that go out, able to share the gospel and lead people to become followers of Jesus. And, uh, and now we're all called, as believers, to the work of evangelism. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are called to share the gospel with others, right? And that's something we're all called to do. 
And yet God has gifted, Jesus has given this gift to the church to some individuals to have the gift of evangelism and even to have that leadership ability to even train and mobilize others to go out and share the, the gospel. Before I moved uh, here, you guys know it came from the Denver area and I was working for a company out of Lincoln, Nebraska, a lighting company. And this particular company was uh, run by a Christian family and the leader of the company, the president of the company, uh, was not the founder, I believe it was his grandfather that founded the company, but he he had, he had grown it over the years and expanded it to be a nationwide presence. But he was very determined that um, the sales force that he had for this company, uh, which was a lighting company, again, would be, uh, uh, would also, uh, in part, of course, the job of, of selling uh, light bulbs, you know, to say it crass. But the other part was to be evangelists. And to be missionaries. And so uh, when I was interviewed for this company to be, take a sales position, it felt a lot like a pastoral interview. Um, you know, I was asked about my, uh, my understanding of the scriptures, uh, some deeper questions. Did I understand the, the Bible? Could I handle it? Could I, uh, was I able to interact on issues um, in, of real life in, in accordance with what the Bible says? And then uh, even, you know, could I share the gospel? Could I lead someone to Jesus? Had I done that? And so uh, to be honest, it, was, it kind of blew my mind a little bit that there's a company in our country that's being run that way. But I'll tell you what, it really, it really uh, pumped me up to know that, that God's using, there are people out there doing this kind of stuff in our country today. And listen, there's some persecution uh, for trying to attempt to do that, but, but they certainly were following in line. But when I went through the training process there, what I'm getting at is that uh, there was an individual named Tom who was a, a salesman in the eastern part of, of Nebraska. And he was sharing with us how to, how to do this. And so he gave us some examples. He said, I've, here's my little system. You know, he had a track and he had a Bible and he showed us how he, he put it together with his iPad, which we used for work and, you know, all of his tools. And he said, this is what I do. I go out and as I'm interacting with people, this is how I do it. And he just had uh, many different ways of ending up, even though he was there to sell lighting, <laughs> of in some way coming to a conversation about Jesus. And uh, he was a master at it, was genius. And as he told stories, I started to realize, man, this guy is not just somebody that cares about evangelism, but he is gifted as an evangelist. He has a spiritual gift because not only did he do it, but he was able to lead so many people to Jesus in so many different settings. Uh, it, was just, it was just inspiring. And we all left there thinking we can do the same thing, um, only to get home and realize that, no, Tom, is a, he, has a gift. he has a spiritual gift of doing this. But we, we still worked at it, right? And so the truth is that that God has given, Jesus has given the gifting and the leadership ability, a spiritual gift of evangelist to the church. Because as I said, we all need to be doing the work of an evangelist, but we need that encouragement, that inspiration that comes from being led by someone who is gifted that way. They can lead us to go outside the doors of the church and share our faith. The next spiritual gift here in this leadership list is pastors. And typically kind of the classic understanding of a pastor is a shepherd. And that is one who would care for and protect the church. They look after uh, the flock, so to speak. They look after the church and those in it. They provide comfort um, as individuals uh, struggle with different aspects uh, of life. They teach God's word, helping people to understand and apply. And so there's this aspect and ability they have to grow us in our faith. And so that is the, that's the, the leadership gifting of pastor and how important to our churches and to our body um, as the body of Christ. And then lastly here is teachers. And teachers help us grow in our knowledge, a little bit deeper understanding 
of the scriptures and how uh, on a broader level, how our faith works. So that as we go out and share our faith, as we interact with people, we have an understanding of what the Bible says and what we believe and how to apply it to the issues of life. And so that's why we have our foundations class we're doing this summer, 9.30 on Sunday mornings. I'd encourage you to come. We have some great teachers, different men that are teaching each Sunday on different topics and helping us to get a better understanding of our faith, to grow in that. They are able to help us rightly divide the word of truth. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that all scripture is inspired, right? It's God-breathed. And it is, it is profitable for us. We need to apply it to our lives and, and understand it and use it in the application of how we live. God has given you a spiritual gift. He has provided leaders to help train you. You know, um, I've spent quite a few years uh, in pastoral ministry or mission work. And uh, um, one of the things that uh, throughout the years that I grew to really appreciate and enjoy is just the excitement, the thrill that comes with doing the ministry. We call it the ministry. It's the work of God. It's interacting with individuals, helping them to connect to God. Sometimes it means leading someone to Jesus. Sometimes it means just helping someone through a crisis or a difficult time. Sometimes it means teaching. Sometimes it's counseling. All kinds of things that I've been able to do and had the privilege to do as a minister of the gospel. And and let me tell you, um, I love doing the ministry. I love ministering to people. There's nothing that I have done in my life that is as thrilling, as difficult, but as fulfilling. To understand that there's a purpose for me being here uh, to help others. It just brings so much uh, enrichment to my life. But here's the truth. At this season in my life and ministry, I've come to a, a realization I think that's more mature and, uh, and better follows in line with the scripture here in Ephesians 4 that my job is not to do the work of the ministry, but is to equip you guys to do the work of the ministry. That is really what I'm called to do. And, and let me tell you, part of me would love to selfishly do it all myself. <laughs> and I've done that before. And, uh, and, and there's a part of me that would just, it's so much fun and it's so fulfilling. And why would I ever share it with anybody? Hey, listen, if you want to figure it out and get a, become a part of it, great. But, but really where I'm at in life now is, is to not go that direction. But it's to ensure that you guys are empowered and you're trained and you're encouraged so that you can get involved. Because let me tell you this, if you don't get involved, if I allow you to sit here and just listen uh, to sermons and, and sort of be, you know, maybe at times um, inspired, encouraged, maybe sometimes convicted, all the different things that come when we're together. If I just let you sort of settle for that and maybe just battling sin in your life and trying to become a better person and more like Jesus, which are good things, but I don't sort of equip you and empower you and, and motivate you and, and, and twist your arm, whatever I got to do to get you to engage in the work of the ministry, then, then you're not going to realize, you're not going to experience what it means to be a Christian, what it means to follow Jesus. Because uh, if you settle for, and if I let you settle for, just uh, coming to church and, and, uh, and us having a great time together, um, but I don't press to the point where you're involved and you're discovering what your gift is or gifts and you're, you're applying them to the work of this church, to building it up, to, to growing it, to, to helping it, then I'm just, I'm just not fulfilling the calling. And uh, listen, a lot of pastors, you know, I'll tell you this, it's a, it's a challenge. It's an uphill battle 
Because some of you will fight me and resist me for 20 years. You will, right? I just know this is the way it goes. Sorry if I'm too blunt, but that's just the truth. And so I've got to really work and I've got to say, no, I'm not going to settle for anything less than getting you involved. And I mean you and you and and you, every one of you. Like I've got to do it. And so a lot of pastors go, you're crazy. If you try to do that, you'll never work. You'll get about 20% and that's about it. And I'm just telling you, I absolutely refuse to accept that. I just refuse. Like, I'm not going to settle for that. And I'm going to keep working with everything I've got as long as God has me here to get you and you and you involved, to get you to understand what your gift is and to help you become a part of the work of God. Because it is in that that you'll discover what your purpose is, why you're here. I think so many Christians get frustrated with the Christian life because they, they haven't engaged to the point of discovering what it means to serve. And, and what that means for your life and how that transforms your walk with Jesus. It becomes uh, full and rich and complete as you struggle to serve God and to do his work in the world. Are you involved? Is there someone you're trying to reach? Is there someone you're trying to connect with, help them connect with God? Man, it's so important, guys. I want that so badly for you. You know, as a, as a leader, as a, uh, as a um, a leader in, in the church, I'm called to this and I recognize that there's a part of it I just want to inspire you. I want to help you overcome your, uh, your self-talk where you tell yourself, I couldn't do that. You know, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. No, I, I, there's really nothing I could do. Um, I'm nervous about it. I don't, oh, I just, you know, I know all that stuff. And, I, and part of me just wants to just, uh, just grab you and say, no, 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 you can do it. Look, you can do it. Jesus believes in you and there's more that you have the capacity to do because he's put it in you and just quit thinking about yourself. Start thinking about him because yeah, if you think about yourself, you'll realize what you can't do, but in him, you can do anything. And so uh, that's what I want to do. But there's also a part of this that there's some accountability to it. And if I don't help you realize that, that you're going to stand before God someday and have to give an accounting in a sense for what he gifted you to do and, and expected you to do and whether or not you, you put that into action. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells a parable that kind of illustrates this. He, uh, he tells a story of a business owner that was headed out on a trip and he had three servants working for him, kind of like employees. And, and he pulled the first one in and he said, listen, I'm gonna give you five talents of silver and uh, I want you to manage this while I'm gone. And I'm gonna go on a trip. And then he pulled in another and he gave him two talents. He said, I want you to uh, you know, manage this. Uh, I'm gonna go on a trip. And then he brought a third uh, employee in and he gave him one talent. And then the, the, the businessman went on a journey. He was gone for quite some time. And he came back and he pulled them in. And he said, hey, uh, guys, how did it go? And he, so he pulled the first guy in who had five talents. And the, the, the employee said, listen, um, I invested the five talents and I got five more. It doubled uh, what you had. And the, the master said, good job, great job. And then he pulled in the second uh, uh, employee and uh, said, how about you? How did it go? And he said, well, I invested those two talents you gave me and I, I got two more. Um, uh, and, and the master, the em employer said, man, good job, good job. He pulled in the third servant and he said, how did it go? I gave you one talent, what did you do? And the, the servant said, man, he goes, listen, you're a hard master. I, I really was uh, worried that I would mess something up and I would lose your money. And so um, uh, rather than risking, rather than taking that risk, and I, he goes, I'm not very good and I'm not very able and I don't feel very confident with this. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, okay? But he goes, uh, so I buried it in the ground so that I wouldn't lose it. And so here it is. I, I didn't lose your, your talent. Here's your money back. 
And the master was very, very, very frustrated with this uh, employee, this manager. Like, you didn't, you didn't do what I would have expected. I didn't, I didn't want you to bury it and do nothing with it. I gave it to you so you'd do something with it. So I want you to realize the exercise of the gift that Jesus has given you. You're part of the church. You're called to be a part of the body. And the truth is that um, you've been given a gift and there's leaders in this church to help train you and, and equip you so that you can begin to use that gift. And the reason that you're supposed to use that gift is that Jesus created, invented the church to accomplish his mission. Again, we're not just here to come together and have a great time, but we're here to accomplish something. And that means we've all got to get engaged and involved. The church is to function in such a way as to accomplish this mission. And that requires that the church is healthy and growing. And so what Jesus wants us to be is a healthy, growing church full of love for each other. Ephesians 4, let's read these last uh, verses, starting verse 14. Then we'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies. So clever, they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, <clears throat> growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. In reality, when we start our faith, we're immature children. And we all start that way. And, and, and we've got to grow, though. And we grow through the process of learning and, and being taught. And then by uh, applying what we learn to our lives. And we begin to change as individuals, growing more to be like Jesus. And, and then we uh, grow as we discover how God's gifted us. And we get involved in the work of the ministry of God's work. And he, he says, come on and be a part of it. I want all of you to be a part of it. And so I've gifted all of you. And, and I've given you leaders to help train you so that you'd get involved. And here's why. Because the church is designed to accomplish the mission of advancing the gospel. It's designed to provide everything that you need to be healthy and growing and full of love. And so as we grow, we aren't tricked by false teachers. The Mormon church says they baptize a Baptist church every month because they convert to their false religion people that originally started off in the church of Jesus Christ. What a tragedy. What a frustrating thing uh, to, to see and to know exists. And so we've got to grow up in our faith, become aware of what we believe so we can pick out the false teachings. As we grow, we begin to be able to feed ourselves. We can engage the scriptures on our own, spend time there reading and studying and through the power of the spirit, hearing from God as he speaks into our lives. Right? And so, yes, we need to hear from other teachers. We need to read other books and encounter other teachings. But we need to engage God's word for ourselves. And that happens as we grow. We begin to learn how to do that. And we grow in it so that really we're being fed directly from God himself. We grow so that we can handle the meat, spiritual meat. We grow so that we're able to uh, interact with each, other's better, uh, with each other better, right? Our relationships grow. Our ability to uh, get along and to work together um, to, to accomplish the mission, that grows as we mature in Christ. And so it's so important that we're growing in maturity because Jesus has for us a great mission. <laughs> We've got to worship together. 
keep our eyes on Jesus. We, we fellowship together so we have relationships that enhance our lives and deepen our walk. And, and we're discipled, we're trained how to live this out, how to live out our faith, and, and even how to reach others. And then um, uh, we serve together, right? Uh, we're, we're drawn into serving in the ministry. And so all of these things the church is designed to do. And, and we need to be taking advantage of it, of all of them, and working together so that we can build up this body so that we can accomplish that mission. Paul says as we grow to maturity, we, be, we, we um, learn to speak the truth in love. And truth and love are not two separate streams, you know. Sometimes we go, well, I'm pretty strong on truth, not so strong on love. Or somebody else says, I'm, I'm, I'm strong on love, but not so much on truth. But the fact is, they're the same stream. Truth and love is the same stream. It's what Jesus, it's how Jesus interacted and it's how we're to interact with each other. And when that occurs, truth and love, then there's always a building up and there's always a growth that occurs. The whole body becomes healthy and growing and full of love. And that environment, guys, is magnetic. There isn't a place on earth, in our country or anywhere else, where you can find the, the power, the draw, the encouragement, the life that exists in the church when it's functioning as it's supposed to. Now listen, we're always struggling with that. We're always struggling with that because we're sinners. Because I'm a sinner and you're a sinner and we, we struggle. But really, the way I think about it, and, and kind of the, the, the direction, I think the call that Jesus has for us as a church is that Mitchell Brian Church would be a healthy, growing, unified church that is firing on all cylinders. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a guy, and, and so the engine metaphor makes sense to me. You know, I know uh, when uh, one of my cylinders on a vehicle quits working that um, things get rough, right? And you can tell on the view, and, and you don't have the power to get where you need to go, and, and you got to fix it pretty quick. You can't just go on like that. And so I, I think, you know, uh, I think that kind of works, like as a church, for us to get where we need to go, uh, to get on mission and to accomplish what Jesus has for us. We've got to make sure that's, that's uh, in place, that we're functioning like we're supposed to. And so I think that's uh, the call that Jesus has placed on us as a church. And as we listen to him and look to him, then I know he's going to lead us there. God, thank you for uh, your great goodness to us, for the way that you, um, through your um, perfection, you invented and initiated your church. That movement on this earth that would be able to, in a very simple structure, contains the power to change the whole world. Pray that you would continue to lead and activate and move in your church and that you would allow us humble, sinful folk here to be a part of your work in this region. And Father, just continue to bring us to unity and to health and to growth so that we can see your mission accomplished in our time. Thank you for your call in our lives and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.